My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Hallelujah, 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 Cry out unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let your spirit be stirred from the very depths of your heart. I will worship, I will glorify, I will magnify the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. What a great service we had this morning. The blessing of the Lord was here. You remember when 9-11 took place, it seemed to me that America awakened for about two weeks. I think it was two, and I think the church stayed awake another week. We were back to sleep within 30 days of 9-11. But the Lord has sent me to you to tell you, don't go back to sleep after this. Don't you dare go back to sleep. Whether things get better for a season or not, doesn't matter. Don't you let anything rock you back to sleep. Of course, I have a means that I use to stir my spirit in my heart. I might share that at some time, but I want to help you tonight because you need to see what's happening in our world and you need to be shaken. In the spirit, you need to be shaken. Not in your faith, Not in your foundation, not in your message or your holiness, but you need to be stirred in your heart. And so, on that note, I'm going to let you be seated tonight. 200 years ago, or over 200 years ago, a prophecy was fulfilled in North America. It's quite remarkable. And the prophecy didn't come from the scripture. It came from the mouth of a Swanee Indian chief by the name of Tecumseh, whose name means shooting star. His prophecy was twofold. As a matter of fact, he declared to all of the Indian nations in America that when I begin to move toward Detroit, put out your campfires because there will be a sign in the heavens. And then he also made a prophecy, he said, when when my foot steps on Detroit, 
the whole earth will shake. And he prophesied that and declared that to all of the Indian nations. And so, in the day that he was supposed to leave, and he did, all of the Indians all across North America who got the message and responded to the message put out their campfires and looked up to the heavens. And sure enough, across the dark skies, a greenish light, white light started racing toward back and forth across the skies. It was a remarkable thing. And so everyone knew, all of them knew, and everyone saw it, that the shooting star or the panther in the sky was on the move to Detroit, as he declared. And remarkably so, on December the 16th, 1811, Tecumseh arrived in Detroit, and the day he arrived, Earthquakes began that would last for four months in America. Four of the largest earthquakes the United States has ever seen lasted from December 1811 through March 1812. The center of the earthquakes was in New Madrid, Missouri, where the Ohio and the Mississippi River meet. And when the earthquake hit, the mighty Mississippi flowed backward. Fissures opened up in Missouri Buildings shook in Atlanta. The ground rolled like the sea in Illinois. Landslides swept Arkansas. Windows rattled in Washington, D.C., and chimneys fell off of houses as far away as Maine. Furniture slid across floors in Cincinnati, and church bells rang in Louisville. Such was the power of these earthquakes. And they were all prophesied. And Tecumseh said that these would be signs that all tribes should unite and resist the onslaught of the Europeans invading North America. But the Indians did not respond to these prophecies. Although they did witness them, they did not respond to the signs. And he slipped away into Canada. The prophecy was fulfilled, but the message was lost and nobody responded. Now, we have a more sure word of prophecy. And unlike those of 1811, church, we better respond to these prophecies. <laughs> Hebrews 12 and 25, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not, who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. They ignored Moses. We better not ignore Jesus. I said they ignored Moses and they paid the price, but the church better hear the voice of the one who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we have received a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God 
is a consuming fire. I will shake the earth and I'll shake the heaven. Two signs that he's coming back and we better not miss it. And we have a more sure word of prophecy than the Swanee chieftain. We have God's unchanging word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word abides forever. We look to God's word in these uncertain times. And today we appear and we look in God's word in the fifth and last and final warning found in the book of Hebrews. These five warnings have stirred controversy for centuries because in Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 through 4, the first warning is, is the church better not drift away from what we know to be true. The second warning is in chapter 4 and verse 12 and 13. It warns us that each of us have to give an account before God. Every one of you are going to stand in judgment one day before a holy God and you must give an account for everything you have said and done. Every one of us are going to stand before God. The third warning is in chapter 6 and verses 4 through 8. It warns us of falling away, literally apostatizing, that a person who has been saved can fall away from God and become cursed. That means that you can be a Pentecostal sitting on a Pentecostal pew and be cursed. And I refuse to allow that to happen to the first Pentecostal church. At least I'm going to do everything I can to put up a fight against it. And I'm going to stir your heart and stir you if I have to preach hellfire and brimstone every time I come to church to keep you on your toes and keep you focused on the second coming of Jesus Christ. We can't just sit here and patty cake for Jesus and then allow our past and our offenses and our hurts and our wounds and our fears and our anxieties keep us from the purpose of God. We need a church that can rise up to the occasion and we need to hear the sure word of prophecy. The fifth warning is the warning that I read to you in chapter 12. It's the one that don't turn your back on God. There's going to come a day he's going to shake the heavens. He's going to shake the earth. And these warnings are only controversial in the sense that many people would like to think that once a person is saved that they're always saved. And some Pentecostals have that same delusion. They think because I live holy, I live a standard. And because I do this and I do that and I do the other, that I'm all right with God and therefore I do not have to pray. I do not have to really put any energy into it because I have all of these other things that I do. But I guarantee you, you better put your confidence only in Jesus Christ and not in what you're doing because what you're doing is flawed even at best. Go on and admit it that what you do is flawed even at best, but what Jesus did at Calvary is perfect. And what he did is always and forever the only way men can be saved. You must repent of your sins. You must be baptized in Jesus' name. You must. I said you must get right with God. You must obey the gospel. You must put forth an effort and an energy. Yes, the devil will mow you down if you don't fight. We need people that know how to fight. 
We need people that know how to war. We need people that know how to stir themselves up. Even when you're tired, even when you're down, even when you're discouraged, you come in here and say, devil, you're not going to cause me to go to sleep. I know in whom I have believed and I can make a difference in my prayer life. I can't make a difference any other way. I don't have any influence over political matters, but you don't need influence over politics. You need influence in the spirit. You need influence by preaching and living and believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The earth has always been one of God's messengers. If you walk through the Bible, you'll find that the earth speaks. Day three of creation, the earth shook and the continents were uplifted and the ocean floor was depressed in establishing the foundations of the earth. Job 38 and Psalms 148 say that the angels saw and praised God while he performed this earth-shaking process. Noah's flood, the fountains of the deep were opened up. It wasn't just the rain that fell from heaven, but the fountains of the deep were opened up. Upheavals in the earth's crust loosed the springs of the deep. Crossing of the Red Sea, and although Exodus' account does not mention the earthquake causing the parting of the sea, Psalms did in Psalm 77 and 18. It says, God's voice spoke, and earthquakes accompanied their deliverance. The old covenant came with Moses on Sinai. There was a great shaking on the mountain. And Exodus 19, Korah's rebellious ways were swallowed up by an earthquake. Elijah on Mount Horeb felt an earthquake. Uzziah watched as his proud kingdom was destroyed by an earthquake. Amos chapter 1 and verse 1. And at the establishing of the new covenant at the death of the testator, Jesus dying at Calvary, there was an earthquake and the temple veil was ripped in twain. And those at Calvary recognized, surely this man is the son of God. When Jesus rose from the dead three days later, it was an earthquake that split the valley. No human agency rolled away the stone. God did it through an earthquake. There was a prison there was a prison break in Caesarea Philippi and the earthquake released Paul and Silas and it prompted the jailer to inquire about their God. The earth groans for its redemption. There's a ripping of the tectonic plates deep within the earth's crust. The voice of the earth is speaking to us tonight because God shook the earth though many times before. He's going to shake it again. I said he's going to shake it again. He's going to shake it again, and he's going to shake it again, and we need to get ready. If you can't see that God is working to move the nations in place for the, for the fulfillment of prophecy today, then you need your eyes open. You need something to wash the sleep. Where are you? What are you doing? Are you so entertained? And you're so doped up, you don't even know where you are. We are at the end of time, and we need an on-fire church. We don't need a church that says, well, this is business as usual. It's just going to all go back the same way. And we've heard about the coming of the Lord ever since we've been in church, and it ain't happened yet, but it's going to happen. And you better wake up and get a hold of God. And God's not on his way to Detroit. God's on his way to Pensacola. And he's going to reclaim the planet Earth 
for himself. My creator is on his way. The earth will herald his coming. Jesus declared it while speaking on the Mount of Olives. He described the events that would be in advance to his coming back to earth. Luke 21 and 11, and great earthquakes shall be in divers places and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. Great earthquakes, the beginning of sorrows, the birth pains, just as we know a woman is prepared to deliver a child because of the birth pains. Jesus said, we will know that his return draws near by great earthquakes in varying places. Paul continued this comparison, the earth groaning in travail, awaiting the birth of a new heaven and a new earth, Romans 8 and 22. Jesus' words coincide with other prophecies of the Old Testament. Consider what Isaiah said in Isaiah 24 and 18. The foundations of the earth do shake. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, shall be removed like a cottage, and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again. Amos prophesied in Amos, and he said, Thou shalt be visited of the Lord of a host with thunder and with earthquakes, great noise with storm and tempest and the flame of a devouring fire. Joel prophesied in Joel 2.10, The earth shall quake before them, the heavens shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. Signs in the heaven, signs in the earth. John the Revelator describes a coming earthquake. It has not happened yet, but it's the greatest visited upon the world. It will literally move mountains and islands will be displaced. Revelation 16, 18 through 20. The future earthquake is associated with the return of Jesus Christ to Jerusalem. It will inflict severe topographic changes on a global scale. Great earthquakes in diverse places. And there are charts that you can look at. The energy of major earthquakes has increased over the last 30 to 40 years. The frequency of major earthquakes has increased over the last 30 to 40 years. Uh, and from 1986 to 1996, there were only 15 earthquakes of magnitude 7.0 or greater. But it, from 1997 until now, there's over 100 earthquakes with a magnitude of 7.0 or greater. You remember the earthquake in the Indian Ocean, 9.8 on the Richter scale. And a tsunami hit Thai, the Thailand coast and wiped out thousands of people who were partying and worshiping their God of entertainment. Consider Haiti, consider Chile, consider all of these earthquakes, their magnitude, their power, the earthquakes in Japan, the tsunamis that hit there. What is the earth saying? The earth is acting as a herald for its coming. The earth is its footstool and the present quaking of the earth is the footfall of an approaching king. And I've come to declare to this church tonight, I rise up early and declare he is coming very soon. And you better get ready. You better not just sit there and take for granted. Well, I jabbered in tongues 30 years ago and I'm ready. 
you better not take for granted because you've been in a Pentecostal family because your lineage don't mean beans to God. It's whether or not you're on fire for Jesus now. I don't know if you recognize it, but everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. There's a shaking in our government. Year after year, confusion dominates our legislative front. Good has become evil. Evil has become good. Evil becomes the new standard by which things are measured. Lawlessness trumps lawfulness. Legislators fiddle while Rome burns, so to speak. A shaking that's hit our educational systems. High standards are ignored. People are walking in with machine guns and mowing children down. And the church is asleep. Absolute truth is rejected for relativity. Pied pipers march children to their own destruction. There's a shaking. It's hitting our churches. The love of many has waxed cold. The only way to God is Jesus and his gospel. It's being questioned and rejected. And all the seekers are just trying to come and find comfort for a moment. All roads lead to Rome, they say, but eyes are looking for a miraculous miracle man, an antichrist, something that will give them the answers that they're looking for. It has hit our families, fathers and mothers separating, laws changed to redefine marriage and family. Truth is no longer being passed to the next generation. Relationships are disintegrating. There is a shaking going on. All the gender wars and the gender questions, it's all about trying to create chaos so that they can implement control. It's hit our economy. The law of the harvest is ignored. People are reaping without sowing. They are sowing without reaping. And it's an upside-down world, and there's a shaking going on. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But that implies also that some things cannot be shaken. I propose to you tonight, church, that the rock of ages is not just a song that we sing, but it is a truth by which it cannot be moved. I say, are you building your life on the rock? Or are you laying up treasures beyond this world? Jude described this world at the end of time. People will defile the flesh, despise dominion, speak evil of dignities. They are murmurers and complainers and walking after their own lust, sensual, having not the Spirit of God. They go in the way of Cain. They take shortcuts in their sacrifice. They run greedily after the era of Balaam, preaching anything for prosperity and popularity. They perish in the gainsaying of Korah, saying we're just as good as everything else. Pull down the godly to exalt themselves. In this dark single chapter book of the Bible, it describes the shaking going on in the last days. And we find an admonition to the church. Jude says, if I told you what they're doing, but here's what you should be doing. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Not praying your eloquent, empty prayers, but praying in the Holy Ghost. 
he closes by saying, unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before him. Yes, you can be grounded in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can fortify yourself by praying in the Holy Ghost. You can lay hold of somebody and something and that will not be shaken. And his name is Jesus. I said his name is Jesus. FEMA has at least six steps you can take to prepare for an earthquake. I doubt anyone has ever really taken it seriously, but it's true. Check for hazards in the home. Identify safe places. Educate yourself and family members. Have disaster supplies on hand. And develop an emergency communication plan. And help your community get ready. I think that's good advice. I'd like to change it up a little bit. Church and worship and rule of five is your safe place. If you start to slip, look for the hazards. What's making you like you are? Why are you offended? Why can't you worship more than five seconds in a row? Why are you so bored with everything? Huh? Give up some of your Netflix. Quit looking at your trash. I just want to know, do you have supplies on hand? Do you have oil in your lamp as well as in your vessel? I said, do you have enough oil? And we need to develop an emergency communication plan. Maybe we can't lay hands on people, but we need to start talking to people about Jesus. And you need to help your community get ready. Quit sympathizing with people that agree with your bitterness. Quit sympathizing and wanting people to sympathize with you about all your grievances because they don't amount to a hill of beans. All it's going to do is cause you to burn in hell. And what good is that going to be to come this far and be lost? I say you ought to pour everything you got in this thing. I think you ought to give it up. God's not playing with us. We need to take the signs seriously. An earthquake hit J Japan on a seaside village about a little over 100 years ago. And they lived in an earthquake-prone area and had grown accustomed to the shakings that were a warning that a bigger earthquake was going to happen. And the people soon went back to their activities, something like 9-11. Uh, we went to sleep three weeks afterwards. 
And then an old farmer who lived high on the high plain above the village had been busy bringing in his rice harvest. And he looked out into the distant sea and noticed something very unusual. The water appeared dark and was acting strangely, was moving against the wind and racing away from the land. And the farmer knew exactly what it meant because he had been around long enough. He knew what was happening. He knew that there was a major earthquake out in the ocean that was sucking all the water back. And he knew he had to warn the people. And he called to his grandson. He said, bring me a torch. Hurry. When his grandson returned with the torch, the former began to set fire to his crop. And in a flash, the dry rice stalks began to burn. The villagers below had ignored the earthquake and now recognized the threat of the fire. And so the bells in the village started ringing, fire, 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 the harvest is on fire. And the villagers responded and they raced away from the beach going up to that high place and they raced away from the sea. They climbed swiftly up the steep side of the hills and they came as fast as they could and they can't believe that they were trying to save the crops of their neighbor. But the closer they got to the fire, they realized the farmer was standing right in the midst of it with a torch with a big old smile on his face. <laughs> Staring over them, beyond them, to the sea. And as soon as they turned around, they looked and all that water that got sucked out started coming back at about 500 miles per hour, about a 35-foot wave. And if you've ever been hit by a 35-foot wave at about 500 miles an hour, it ain't good. It ain't good. And, and they said, look on the horizon. The tsunami hit like a rising wall, wiped out their entire village, but no one was lost. Because one rice farmer says that one watchman said it's worth the price of my whole living to save the whole village. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. See, he wasn't saddened by what it cost him. He was overjoyed by what he saved. And I'm going to be honest with you right now. I am tired of Pentecostals being sad over what serving God cost you. Would you please quit whining about what church cost you? You don't know what price I pay. You don't know what price we've all paid. Everybody in this room, everybody that's in the grave that's ever been in this church has paid a price. But it's worth it to know what you've saved. 
I say, let's set fire to the rice field. We got to save somebody. But when people fail to recognize the shaking and the trembling beneath their own feet, if you can't read the newspaper or the iPad or the news and hear all that's going on and know that there is a shaking going on. I had a very smart psychologist look me straight in the eye, got doctorate degrees coming out his ears, tell me that there are 19 different genders in the human race. 19. I mean, I'm talking about snarling. I'm not talking about giving me evidence. I'm talking about snarling at me with that snarl of the world. Just looked me in the eye and said, you don't believe that? I mean, I stopped counting it too. <laughs> I'm not saying there aren't that many personality disorders and psychological problems that exist in people's minds. But these people aren't born that way. They're made that way. And the world does not know the difference. And I know you've heard it before and you think it's just another crying wolf, but you better wake up this time, and you better not go back to sleep. I don't care what you have to do. Woo, I wish somebody would hear me. I wish somebody would shake. I wish somebody would move. I wish somebody would move. I wish somebody would say, it's worth the price. It's worth putting up with injustice. It's worth with putting up with lies. It's worth with putting up with anything. To save my soul, the soul of my family. It's worth it. It's worth the holiness standard. This world's mixed up. They don't know what's going on. And, and we're fighting for our lives, church. We're fighting for the very soul of our country right now. And we're asleep. Like, it really don't matter what I do anyway. Just come to church any old how. That's it. Wake up. Judging every service by our sentimental measurements. I remember when. And he didn't tell enough funny stories. Always judging it by an entertainment measurement. Because you really don't know the difference 
difference between Jesus and entertainment. You really don't. Don't have a clue. But you better wake up and you better ask Jesus to help you. Because I'm going to tell you, you won't get this by yourself. That's why I want you in your word. I, I'm not trying to mess with you. I'm not trying to control your life. But if you don't know what's in this book, you're going to be deceived. Because they'll tell you and snarl at you with doctorate degrees and as serious as a heart attack that there's 19 different genders. Now, come on, people. That's just not so. It's just not so. Now, I don't have all them doctorate degrees to be able to snarl at you and tell you, but it's still not so. There's still only two. And here's my basis. I know it's old-fashioned, but you go back to the book of Genesis. He made them both male and female. And that's it right there. But that's just one indicator of what's going on in our world. That's not even the main issue, church. It's not even the main issue. It's just one thing they're using to confuse everybody. What's this world going to be like with that kind of craziness 20 years from now? So we need to wake up right now and start warring in the Holy Ghost. And, and I understand, really, the truth is, I do understand that Jesus needs to come back to help us. He needs to return. He's, that, he's our only hope, really. I understand that. But I just would like to ask you, and I really think we just need to have a prayer meeting tonight. And, and I don't want you to get out of your comfort zone. You can pray right where you're at. God will hear you. I'm not. But if you want to come around the front and kneel, you want to come, Sammy was up here praying. And I, I don't want to stop you from, but, but church, I'm tired of trying to produce a high energy field for people to feel good about themselves when they don't put an ounce of energy into the entire thing. And I'm not upset with you. I'm just simply, this is the condition of our world. And you need to put your own praying in this. But I want you to be comfortable with whatever you do. And that's fine. God will hear you anywhere in the building. But you need to find a place to pray. Let's just have a call to war right now. And let's just cry out to the king. You want to birth a revival? We need birth pains in the church. We need the spirit of travail to come on us. We need a spirit of travail to come on us. We need a spirit of just, God, show me how to do it. I, how do I wake up, Lord? How do I keep myself awake? We hope you enjoyed this message. 
Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.